Welcome everybody to Catfish Weekly presented by Whiskerware Apparel along with Chuck Davison. I'm Lyle Stokes and welcome to the show. Chuck, how's things in Alabama tonight? Oh, it's great. The The weather's getting a lot better. We, we got this little bitty cold spell going through. It went down in the 30s, which is pretty cold for this time of the year, but I thought spring was here for sure. Um, but it got this little cold snap going through and it's supposed to be rolling out next couple of days. So hopefully spring will set in and that spring bite will set in and uh, some, some good fishing right around the corner. That's awesome. That's awesome. I know you was in a tournament this weekend. You want to tell us a little bit about it? Oh yeah. There was some very good fish caught on Wheeler. There was uh there was an 85 and an 86, just about a half pound difference. I don't know exactly the, um, you know, how, how far apart they were in ounces, but, you know, Carl, uh, Carl Morris Jr., um, you know, and Jonathan Cooksey and them, they uh, brought in two two very good fish. Um, you know, we, we didn't place uh, nowhere near what we wanted to place in the tournament, but we had a great time. Um, we was bound and determined, you know, a lot of them big fish came off of the honey holes where, um, you know, people going to go sit, sit it out all day. Um, and when me and Tony talked about it, we said, look, you know, we can, we can go sit on these honey holes and, and, you know, maybe win one of these things, or we can go out and, um, hit a new part of the river that we don't know and start learning. Uh, since we're starting off together, we're going to learn together. If we go catch a big fish down there on that part of the river we never fished before, by God, we, we won the right way. Um, you know, and when we go to these other lakes and rivers that we haven't visited yet, we're not going to have honey holes on those. So, um, you know, we told each other no honey holes. We're going to um, we're going to get that honey hole syndrome out of the way, and we're going to... Um, you know, go find our own fish, our own way, and, and try to get it done. Well, you know, uh, that is, uh, if you're fishing your home water, uh, I understand the fact that people going into places they know that they're going to be able to put fish in a boat. But the way you're going about this will make you better in the long run, there's no question. Uh, you like you say, when, when you go to uh, fish Mississippi River monsters or you, when you go up to fish uh, monsters on the Ohio or if you come up to one of the tournaments around here of Brad Kilpatrick's or something and fish when you come up this way sometime, uh, you're not going to have that, that uh, ability to go out and set in a place that you know there's going to be fish. You're going to have to go find a spot and depend on your knowledge of the rivers and the water and, 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 and find something. So uh, it's outstanding that you guys would go out there and, and deliberately look for different areas than you're not used to fishing. Uh, it does make it tough on finishes sometimes, uh, but uh, it will in the long run make you better a better fisherman for, for what's going on. Yeah, you're right, Lyle. We, um, you know, my personal best 85 came off that same hole at the nuclear plant, so I know they're in there. Um, you know, Leanne got a 60 there the same day. Um, Matter of fact, last year me and Leanne went to the honey hole thing. We wasn't there long. We ran up. We ran up to to the, the nuke plant um, at a at an Alabama catfish trail tournament, and uh, ended up winning it um, after being at Browns Ferry for just an hour. So you know we could surely had a very good chance of winning it by running up there and and sitting around the uh, nuke plant 
uh, with the other 15 boats that were up there. But, you know, that's not where me and Tony want to head. We want to, you know, we've got to, we got to get our chemistry together. Um, you know, we, we walked in the way in line with our 53 pounds and two fish, um, just a smiling, you know, we earned them. We earned them big time. And, um, that was a win for us. Heck yeah. So, uh, with your new partner, Tony, how's it all going? Uh, it's going great, man. Um, you know, I haven't been so excited about tournament fishing since I've started it. Matter of fact, I was... I was kind of thinking just trying to, you know, uh, slack off on them, get back to fun fishing and just doing Catfish Weekly, you know, full time, you know, trying to put more into our show um, and just trying to make it bigger and better. But, uh, you know, after Tony called and asked me if I found a partner yet and uh, we started talking, um, you know, th things have totally turned for me. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm ready to do this. And, uh, you know, getting out and, and fishing with him, this was only our third time to fish together, to be in the boat together. And my, you know, my 1860 is nowhere near where it needs to be. Um, he, he's got some small little disabilities that um, keeps him from being 100%. But um, there's just a few little modifications that, I've, that I'm going to make that he's going to be totally comfortable in our boat. And... Um, his, he's got some totally different ways of fishing than I do, and I got totally different way of fishing than he does. And we agree on spots. He picks a spot. I pick the next spot. He picks a spot. Um, at the end of the day, if we get blown out, it's both of our faults equally. Um, you know, and we got an agreement on that. Um, if one of us thinks one of us is wrong and we shouldn't do something, we'll go right ahead and, and explain why we shouldn't do it, not just say, I don't think we need to do it, explain ourselves, um, you know, this is why I think we shouldn't. And after that is explained, the other person says, you're exactly right. Uh, let's don't do that then. Um, and it's worked out so far, and I think we're going to make one hell of a team. I know uh, when, when we was at the conference down there, I, I could see the excitement in your eyes. I was so happy that you found him, and I think you guys will – will be a team to deal with uh, in the very near future, and I'm, I'm really happy that uh, that you guys got together, and it's going to be a lot of fun for you, looking for big things out of you guys. Yeah, we just got to be smart about it, you know. Um, you know, he, he, works the, he works Sunday night through uh, Thursday night from, like, midnight until 9 in the morning, which is um, hours that – most people would, you know, that's like a nightmare for you know, a lot of people. But, um, you know, in our work, we hardly get to communicate with each other during the week. Um, but we both work very long hours, so we don't get to go out and, and you know, pre-fish as much as everybody else. We don't get to uh, research together, so we do a little bit of research separate. And we talk for, you know, five minutes in the morning on my way to work. And, um, you know, when he's on his job and, um, you know, talk things through stuff that I think about the night before I go ahead and while it's fresh on my mind, I get with him and, you know, let him tell him my thoughts and everything's worked out good so far. So hopefully, um, as we go through this year, hopefully, you know, everything will start working out for us and we'll just get better and better. That's good. Uh, I, I think it'll be a great time for you guys. Uh, I'd like to welcome in our guest for tonight, fresh from Kentucky Lake, uh, Justin 
Wolf, how you doing tonight, Justin? Uh, out of breath and set a new personal best time of getting back. <laughs> <laughs> under 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 three hours for sure, so that's pretty good. That's 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 <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. How was the fishing down there? Uh, it was it was pretty tough. Pretty tough. Well, had, had, had to twitch them a little bit and throw it in the right spot. Was you, you know, pulling the boat? No, no, we we just fishing off the bank for skips. Before we get started here, I, I want to uh, to let all our viewers know that uh, Claude Reynolds has worked very hard to put together a uh, tournament for a young man named Austin McNew. Uh, Austin was injured in a sledding accident and is kind of messed up, and Claude is at his house and has Austin watching the show with us tonight. Austin, welcome to Catfish Weekly. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, uh, if you know, I know that you're sitting there with Claude, and that that may be a disadvantage. But you guys have a great time watching the show, and and feel free to to jump in on chat. And if you have any questions for Justin or Chuck or myself, uh, we'll be glad to try to get to them. Uh, if you want to know about fishing the Mississippi and Missouri River, you won't find too many people that knows any more about fishing up big water than Justin is. He's he's very accomplished down there. So uh, welcome to Catfish Weekly. Uh, Chuck, I know that you have a bunch of stuff to talk to Justin about, and I've got a little list of stuff here. Of course, Justin and I are known each other for quite a while, but uh, I'm going to let you take off and and uh, pick his brain a little bit and uh, make him give up some of them secrets. I know John and I had been really good down in a tournament down there a year or two ago, and and uh, we thought we were setting the world on fire, and we go in there, and Justin's got a 78 or 73 or some big old fish in there. just made us look bad, but, uh, you know, he, he puts a lot of great fish in the boat, and he knows how them rivers operate down there. Yeah, man. Um, Justin, I want you to go over with us um, about finesse fishing with a bumping rod on these rivers, um, you know, and about get it, two guys getting in the boat with two rods putting all the other rods aside it's you and your rod against everybody else in that tournament um, just finesse fishing uh, all those holes wood piles whatever you may go over and go over the uh, the way you rig your uh, your bumping rig well the, the way I rig we'll start with that and and getting back to back up a little bit more on that, you talk about finesse, and it's it really depends on the skill level of you and your partner. My partner cannot do what I do with the light a, a light weight that I use to bounce with. I may be using a three or a four to bounce with, maybe up to a five and six, where he has to use a a five or six or heavier, or maybe even an eight to do what I'm doing. But uh, getting now to the rigging part of it. It's basically just a three-way rig is what I use, and uh, the only thing we've been changing lately, we've been using a chain swivel and tying our drop for the weight to the to the eye of the chain swivel and our main line, and then coming off the end of the chain swivel with our, our hook and leader for our hooks. Um, we've been doing that one having pretty good success, but... I typically use a standard bumping rig. What everybody else uses, what I think everybody else is using, is a your main line come down to a three-way. Um, some guys use a slip three-way. I use a, a solid three-way. And you go out to your uh, leader line with an inline swivel, 
to stop line twist from your bait. You know, your bait would be back there twisting and helicoptering and everything else. And then either to a single hook or a double rig hook. Uh, most of mine are snailed, and a lot of times I don't snail the bottom one. I polymer the bottom one because I figure it's going to be stuck in the meat somewhere back in the tail or inside the meat. And I never really thought that was a big deal. It may may not be for some people. But uh, I do snail the top hook. Um, using single hooks or a double rig hook, most of the time when I'm bumping, I would say 90% of the time I'm using a J-style hook. Um, when I'm bouncing the bottom, I like to feel that bite, and I let, like to let the fish know that he, he just bit the wrong piece of bait. So if the hand, if the rod's in my hand, I'm I'm one to set the hook and you know reel down and, and set the hook. I know a lot of guys do use circle hooks bumping, and they like to lean back into it and kind of let the circle hook with the current and the fish do the job. But I, I'm not that guy, I guess. Have you tried the circle hook method? I have. When I have guys in the boat or a young kid or something that that has never bumped before and they're just new to it. I'll put a circle hook on for them, and it's, it's it's usually a pretty big circle hook. But, you know, anything from an 8 to a 10 or 12-aught circle. And it had success with all of them, all sizes. But it probably, I jump over 9s and 10s and go 8 to eight to 10. 8s and 10s, I would say, are my most common, or 12s. I think you clause that 197-12 that I don't think they're going to make anymore from what I heard. But that's pretty common. But uh, a 10-aught Gamagatsu J-hook is probably my my go-to hook on bouncing. So you, you you started out using J-hook. For bouncing? Yes. yes. Yeah. And so so you, you was already used to uh, hook set. So when you probably went to the circle hook, it was hard to get away from that, and you, your hookup ratio probably wasn't as good, correct? Right. I think it has a lot to do with my growing up. I grew up bass fishing and working a lot of Texas rig worms, and I always said if you can work a worm back to the boat, you should be able to bounce a, a piece of lead down the river at a controlled rate, going the opposite away, you know, away from you using the current. And I know Texas rig worm use a worm hook. It's most time you feel that that gulp or that you pick it up and it's falling and you don't feel it hit and it's nothing's there. That's usually that fish grabbing it, so you better lay into them, get that slack line if you have any out reeled up and let them have it. So that that circle hook, you know, it, it's not made for a, a quick joust, and, and you know, it'd be brought out of his mouth. So, I'm sure the times you tried it with with your the way you was used to, you probably missed, started missing fish and just went right back to what you knew. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've tried to circle hook. I'm just, yeah, I guess it's just so much in me. My natural reaction is to is to crank down and, and pull. Yeah, that's. I mean, the the excitement of you know. Uh, a fish hitting while you got the rod in your hand, you know, it, it's it would just be so hard just to sit there and hold on to the rod and let him, you know, uh, set himself. Um, yeah, and I mean, you got to have good reflexes and you got to know what you're feeling when he hits. You better know what the difference between a hit and you know, I've I've probably hooked into a few logs and everything else too, thinking they were bites. You know, just sometimes I just. If I, if I lose it, if I lose it, sometimes it wants to come back to me or something, or I don't, I lose a little bit of control of the boat sometimes, and it might want to walk back to me, and I think it's there. I'll, you know, it it may, it may be a ghost bite, it may not be. Hey, have you done any anything to your uh, your rig 
um, for your presentation to get the maximum fill of the bottom. Uh, do you think your rig is made to where you can you can fill every little thing, or is there anything different that you can do that you make could get some more fill? I haven't, outside of using Lyle's bumping rod, that's been the biggest improvement. Um, I know a lot of guys are starting to go braid the braid, and I think that may be giving more of a feel. Outside, for, for, your, for your sinker line for, or for your you sinker see, anchor hook? You, both. Uh, using a really light, like a, gosh, a 10-pound a test braid, maybe even less than that, which is about a two two two, two what two pound mono diameter I think right. so it'd be it'd still be easy I think to break off if you had your weight hung up but I think a lot of guys would be even going to hook uh, your leaders for your hooks on a braid because you're getting a solid contact from your braid your line from your rod to your swivel but for the most part I I haven't tried that yet I've just heard that's been tried a few times I haven't I'm still a big believer in having a little stretch just a little bit in your, your hook line on your yeah, leader. I, I was thinking about the braid thing. You know, I'm not into bumping yet. You know, I've did a little bit. But, you know, I called Lyle the other day and asked him about the, the braid for the, you know, the, the sinker line. Um, you know, because it seems to me, you know, you're already using the braid line and, and you've got that really nice, um, you know, carbon rod and, I mean, everything's just perfect. Why not just use that little bitty extra little bit of braid on that sinker uh, line just to, you know, try to improve that feel just a little bit, you know. Right. But, anything's worth trying. I mean, that's why they call it fishing. You can try anything and everything and whatever works for you is what I always say. I Anybody that's ever got my boat and fished me, I, I've never told them how to fish. I say, you know, you're a good fisherman. Fish how you would fish. Don't and let you know unless you want to switch the way I'm doing things, or I may switch to the way you're doing things. Whatever uh, it takes to put some fish in the boat. Yeah, uh, you know, I know, I know that back, the back bouncing. Um, you know, being able to get in every nick and cranny on that, uh, on that current seam, or, or you know, whatever's directly behind you. You know, you're. You're getting down into everything, and being in that current, that's where those fish are, and that's what has me wanting to do it so bad, um, you know, because you, you're, if you're vertical drifting or, um, you know, dragging bottom, you know, you, you don't have that small pause, um, you know, where it, it sits for a second and, and they can observe it, then, you, then it moves away from them, and they'll have that reaction, hey, it's getting away, boom. Um, you know, just it just seems like it's the perfect natural presentation um, for you know to catch catfish with. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing that we've always I've talked to Jason Matheny, Jason Jackson, Ryan Casey, a lot of other people about this, and I said, you know, what's the difference between hanging a rod in the rod hole over the side that we call dead sticking and drifting, and you're, you got all them hanging in the side, and you're up and down, up and down, up and down, and trying to stay with the humps and the bumps and the, the drops and whatever else you're going through. Well, the only difference is when you got that rod in your hand, you're in constant contact with that bottom. So that, that's the only difference we can figure out that sometimes the bumping outfishes a dead stick drift. It, and yeah. it, it, you know, you could you know you could probably dead stick and bump at the same time, but 
you, you're not going to keep your uh, the right amount of spacing between the bottom and your bait. Um, you know the way a lot of rivers and stuff are with the roller coaster bottoms. Uh, if you've got an average of you know 20 foot, uh, you know you have to crank it up to about 15 and just leave it if right. you're if you're bouncing at the same time. You know, and I've thought about you know why not have the extra bait in the water? You know, you're you're adding a a, a more of a um, you know you got the bait. Um, everything you know, the fish can have that good scent trail to follow and all that. So, you know, it's like the guys that go out in the river and throw um, 50 jugs with a uh, two-foot leader, you know, right. and they they end up catching, you know, 25 catfish with, with their bait two foot underwater. So, you know, what's the chances? You know, you, you're gonna, you know, if you're up 15 foot, no chance of getting hung. You know, why not hang four rods down while you're bumping and uh, it, set, them, set them clickers, and when it goes off, you're good to go. Yeah, it's possible. It's a lot of work. I used to run in tournaments, me and my partner. We would run one dead stick out each side of the boat and, and bounce at the same time. It's a lot of work to keep track of that dead stick and not have it hung up all the time, and, and a lot of times it does end up just suspended. You know, if we, if we know we're going down through – a consistent bottom of, you know, 30 foot, and there's only going to be a couple bumps in the 24 to 25 range or something. We'll just leave it at 20 or something, 25, and just let it hang there and hope for the best. But, but when you're jacking around with them dead sticks all the time, I feel it takes away from what you should be doing with that one bumping rod. Yeah, I get you. You know, I've, I've seen the videos, um, you know, those guys just sitting there and – you can't get no more finesse fishing for catfish than than how y'all do it, you know. And uh, I'm just so excited about getting my new bumping rod and getting down here below the dam next week and doing it. Um, you know, Tony, Tony got my bumping rod this weekend. Uh, got it rigged up, you know, and, and went through some things with me. Um, you know, he's really good at it. So I've got a partner that has some experience in it. Um, and, you know, and he, he loves my new setup. So, you know, that tells you something. He uses uh, some bass-type gear like a lot of other guys use, you know, the low-profile and, you know, the uh, the graphite bass rods and stuff. But, um, you know, there's nothing like having that um, that that black horse bumping rod in your hand. He, he just loved it. Yeah, talking about them low-profile reels, I know – Quantum makes one, I think it's the, the PT or whatever it's called, and if they would make that a little bit bigger where you could put a little bit more line on that, because I'm one to really walk my baits out sometimes, you know, 150, maybe 200 yards, maybe, and then little low-profile reels sometimes when you say you get down to New Madrid and sometimes that deeper, faster water, it, it, you get out there pretty quick sometimes. That's when you got to go to a bigger weight and slow yourself down a little bit. But uh, another good reel to buy, if if, uh, if Akuma is listening, that little cold water reel they came out with, a low-profile cold water, if they would make that a, a next size up, you just get another about 100 yards on there, boy, that would be a nice reel. It's got 26, I think, 24 to 26 pounds of drag on that little reel. Right. Uh, Seth McAllister, he wants to know, um, he said uh, that 
he's been using planer boards out the uh, side running backwards on the Mississippi and then bump out of the back. He said it works really well. Have you tried that? I have no experience with planer boards. I, I've seen them in the past get used. I've even seen some downriggers get used. And I think the first time I ever seen planer boards was down at St. T. Cooper years ago. The guys had them in a tournament down there at one of the Bella King Cat Classics. And uh, I, I just never got into that. We've always, we're kind of catfishing 101 when it comes to my boat. We, we try to keep it as simple as possible. Yeah, there, there's so many different rigs and types of fishing all over the country. And, you know, within the past five years, especially with social media coming together, um, you know, people's been traveling around fishing tournaments for years and years. But it just seems like over the past five years that people's been going together and trying different things that people use uh, on the other side of the country more than they used to. Um, uh, what? Okay, let's say you're, you're back bouncing, you know, you're doing your uh, controlled drift, you cut your speed half of the current or however you do it, and let's say you do have your bait 150 yards back behind the boat, 150 feet back behind the boat, and you know, you hook into a, a 70 you know, pound catfish or something that's in the current just feels like you're not going to be able to do anything with him. Uh, walk us through exactly what you do in that situation um, when you hook a big catfish that far down river with a bumping rod. De depending on the, the depth of the water, if I'm in a shallow flat, usually I can maintain them and, and not have to turn the trolling motor off, but if I'm out in the main channel or around some outside bends where it's really screaming, first thing we do is turn the troll motor off. That way we, we cut, you know, we were, already, we were cutting that speed down to the current or half the current or, or less. Now we're chasing that big fish. Turn that troll motor off as fast as possible and possibly have to turn the big motor on to go, to go down and chase them if you've got that much of a head start on us. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's the biggest thing a lot of guys do is just turn that trolling motor off and get going with the current and the fish. Boy, I'm guilty of that. Yeah, and, you know, I've I seen a video the other day of, um, you know, some guys went down and fished a tournament on the Missouri River, um, you know, and they videoed a boat sitting still in the current using his main motor. Um, that I mean, the current was moving. Um, he probably would have been running, you know, seven miles an hour or faster if, if he was in the lake. And he's sitting exactly still uh, yeah. using his main motor. Um, you know, th these y'all you y'all actually go out and bump in current of that type. Um, not exactly exactly in that type of current, but around the jetties and and back in the current seams and stuff. I mean, I could just imagine, you know, catching a. a 15 pound catfish, much less when y'all get a hold of those 50s, 60s, and 70s in that type of current. It, it's kind of funny because that that 15 to I don't know 40ish are the ones that always want to run away. To me, when you get up 50, 60, 70, the few 80 plusers that I have caught, they seem to always get to the bottom of the boat straight up and down vertical with you and, and don't want to don't want to move that's where the fight begins right there but I, I can't say I've had too many fish over 50 pounds really want to take off 
It, I, maybe it's just because of killing the trolling motor and getting on them so fast. But it's it's always up and down, vertical off, you know, straight up and down fight is where the fight always is for me. But a a 25 to 30 pounder, he's all over the place. He wants to run out to the channel and back under your buddy's line and everywhere else. So when when you're in that heavy duty current, um, you know, the the way the guy had his boat motor yeah, running, with, you know, to sit still. Motor. Right. We do use, unfortunately, I still got a Mercury two-stroke, so it's loud when we sit there and do that, and we can't talk to each other, but everybody running them four-strokes got it made. Um, yeah, when we get out there, I got an 80-pound, 24-volt Minkota, so I'm still a little, I'm not maxed out like most of these guys are at 113 now, I think, 36-volt. They may even go bigger. But, so I only got so much. I got 80 pounds of thrust. So I can slow myself down so much, no matter how many batteries I link together, I can have six batteries back there all parallel together or crossed for 24 and grouped together. I'm still only going to get 80 out of that trolling motor. So I have my limitations and where I have to fire up the big motor and put it in gear and then find that happy medium with the trolling motor to be able to get the speed I want. And it, it's, it's tough. It really is. I mean, you're just putting it in gear, but... You may have to bump it up a little bit. You may have to ease out. It just depends on what channel swing you're in or what kind of. I, I ran into ran down in that in Madrid was the first time I ever ran into that. Yeah, and you know I've I've heard some guys that have the uh, you know the bigger outboard tiller handle motors. Um, yeah. I I just couldn't see myself having one, but I mean just to imagine the room in the boat. But they're talking about having. Something with those tiller handles to where they have more of an idle range to where they they can get that perfect speed of you know when they're when they're in the current like that. I don't know if it's some kind of clutching or something that they do, but you know uh, John Jameson was talking about it and said that the trolling motor he had he's able to um, fish uh, using the big motor. Uh, a lot more effective than he could ever before. I think what he might referring to, I, I don't know if it's on the Verados, but Mercury, I think, has got that auto troll. They, they use it for trolling, and they got a. It was an option on my 60 horse outboard that I got on my duck boat that you could bump bump up in uh, just small increments with your outboard. I think that's maybe what he was talking about. I mean, that seems like even hitting the throttle. Yeah, that seems like it would be a must. Uh, after seeing that video of that, you know, that boat sitting there and that current, I've never seen nothing like it. You know, when Lyle talks about current, um, you know, that's like flood stage down here on the uh, Tennessee River, and they're giving out warnings. You know, do not go fishing. And it's nowhere near as bad as what I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> they don't understand unless they've been here, do they, Justin? No, no. And I, we like floodwaters. I know they don't like us to be out there in them, the Coast Guard and everybody else. But, you know, we're not hurting anything if we're not hurting ourselves. But uh, most of us out there have been out there for years and know what we're doing, I hope. And not everybody has and they're new but the only way to get experience is to get out there and do it and that kind of stuff you'll you'll be a better boater and a better fisherman for it but um, you know getting back to that just coming back from Kentucky Dam 
however many years I've been going down there and catching skipjack off them rocks, you see them old timers and new timers or whatever, whoever timers out there, they've got them little short broomstick uh, rods that they use to catch them catfish off them turbine swells and boils down there, and that's all they're doing is sitting back there in a 16-foot John boat with a 25-horse outboard and just throttle up and holding herself there and got their rod hanging over the side of the boat and just catching them little catfish. I don't know if they ever get anything big, but, you know, they got their eater siders. I always see them pulling in down there, and that's that's the same thing you're talking about. It's been probably going on for beginning of time down there that I can remember. Yeah, right. But, they, you know, they're, they're getting these big 200-horse and 250-horsepower and motors that, you know, that will propel you up and down the river and uh, multi-use for the same um, – purpose you know and the the walleye guys use them you know now they don't have to have that the tiller motor on on with they can use their big motor for both now. right it's taking the place of their little kicker right now, and, i mean that's you know you talk about the walleye guys that i would say gosh the 80 50 to 80 percent of the techniques we use in catfishing for drifting is probably came out of the walleye world yep I mean, I see. I sit there and watch a lot of these shows on WFN, and there, there's just so much that they do that's similar, you know. And you, and you watch. Uh, I was watching them, you know, back bouncing for salmon, um, and it's exactly what I've watched. Uh, you know, big, big cat and all them guys do on the videos, exactly the same, um, and, and they're doing it. Um, you know, on, with, on these little rivers, on you know, catching salmon and stuff, and it's it's awesome how all these different species of fish um, can be caught all using different, you know, similar type of uh, riggings and techniques. That's why I figured all them Iowa catfish are always so good. They're up, born and raised uh, walleye fishing up there all the time on the Mississippi. They just took the same thing they do for walleye to catfishing. But who knows? You'd have to talk to them about that one. Oh yeah. <laughs> And you know, um, you know, a lot of those walleye waters. You know, you get up in there, and all these guys, you know, walleye fish, and and they fish for the the muskies and pike and all that. Yeah. Um, and a lot of these lakes that they're fishing in, there's probably huge, humongous catfish in a lot of those uh, lakes. You know, and that you know they've got to be hooking up on them when they're fishing for them other species because, you know, the type of fishing they're doing and, and the way they're fishing. They have to be getting in the catfish doing it. You would think. I never hear about it much. Maybe the flathead every once in a while, but I, I, you get up north there, and the channel cat becomes the the primary fish of catfish up there when you're talking about size. And Wisconsin and Nebraska and all the way up. To, I get. I don't know how the catfishing is in Minnesota, but you know, then you're going up to the Red River and stuff like that. You start getting in the 20 plus pound catfish. And, do they bounce up there? I have no idea, or, or use our techniques that we're using down here. I couldn't even tell you. All right. Um, before I turn you over to Lau, I want to know um, what what's a couple of the biggest tournaments you're looking forward to this year, and you just you just can't wait to, to, to come around. Well, I can't wait for next week to get here because I'm heading down early to Alabama. We're going to be in the Sea Arc tournament. And then uh, there in September, should be down in Memphis at the uh, Monsters on the Mississippi. Those are the two I'm looking forward to this year for sure. Yeah, that's your stomping ground, that Mississippi River. And, you know, there's going to be guys coming from the East Coast, uh, Kansas, 
um, you know, Wyoming, you know, from all over going to come to to Memphis to fish this tournament. It's going to be the probably the biggest get together ever. Um, I mean, it, it's such it's so centrally located, and um, I think it's going to be a lot bigger than everybody think it's going to be. Yeah, if if nothing else, I I think we have a good chance of holding our own down there, but it's going to be one heck of an experience just to be a part of that. Yeah, and, and a, another thing I was wanting to ask you about, me and Lyle was talking about it before the show. Um, you know, I sit there on Facebook and we see guys, you know, talking about, um, you know, tournaments going on. I know you ran tournaments for years up there um, in, in St. Louis. Um you know, you, you can't do them for free, and these guys are saying, I'm not going to go fish this tournament because this guy's, uh, you know, he's only paying back 90%. Um, you know, these these tournaments, the, the way they're being set up, you can't do them for free. Um, you know, I think 80% um, is still at some, at some times not even where people can make any money on it. Well, a lot of that depends on the sponsors. Some people, uh, and Justin was really good about getting getting sponsor money to cover all of his expenses. Everybody can't do that. And, right. and I, you know, before we get involved with this, I, I'll just go over a couple of things. This Mississippi River Monster t Tournament is going to be, uh, it has, stands a really good chance of being the biggest, catfish tournament ever been put on in the United States. Now I'm not saying it's it will be. I say it has the opportunity to be the biggest ever. Now it might not make it, but but there's a good chance that it's going to be. They got the backing, they got the right people in place. Uh, look what they've done so far. You know, the first week they had a hundred boats entered in it. Uh, they've got a long way to go to get things done, and, and they just put up the payout thing. And I know a lot of people are not happy about that. This is the first draft. This is going to continue to grow. It will get bigger and bigger and bigger every time that there's entries put in it. By the time that it gets to be a week before the tournament, you guys just need to settle down and let them have a chance. This is the first tournament these people have ever tried. Yeah. And, and, and they are doing an outstanding job. Have they made a couple of mistakes? Yeah, they made some mistakes, and they're going to make a few more, but they've never done it before. You know, I you know I talked to the I talked to George, I talked to Leslie, and there's nobody who works any harder than Leslie. Reasons if you don't think so, you're 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 badly mistaken. This lady works her tail off to make this what it is. These guys are going to make this work, and it'll work fine. You've got to give them a chance. If they get it done and pulled off, and it's got 200 boats in it, which I fully anticipate it will have, next year will be so much better. But let them make a mistake. Don't criticize them because something doesn't suit you. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be an outstanding event. It's going to be the biggest tournament that's ever hit the United States for catfishing. And and if it if it gets reasonably close to what Aaron Wheatley has done, it'll be it'll be fantastic. Everybody's going to have a good time. They're going to have a good payout. Nobody's ever paid out $14,000 for first place. Now, that probably won't go up, but they've got a brand-new 20-foot, fully decked-out uh, uh, tracker boat they're going to give away. they got more stuff to give away than anybody ever knows about, and I know for a fact they got a whole bunch of stuff in the works 
that will keep adding to this. So don't be so critical, people. Let them have a chance to make this work. You'll be impressed by the time tournament days comes around. You will be so happy with what's going on down there. If you didn't enter it, you're going to be saying, damn, what did I do? Why didn't I get in that tournament? I'm telling you, you have to let these people have a chance to make it work. You can't jump on them right off the bat because they've made a mistake. Let them get it corrected. Let them learn from their mistakes, and they'll get it fixed. You, you've got to give people opportunity. Now, the ones, if you want to jump on some of them, jump on these guys that's been doing it a long time and continually to make bigger and worse mistakes every time they go out and then wonder why they go from having 60 and 70 tournaments, uh, boats in a tournament down to 10 or 15 because nobody trusts them because they don't check the length on fish. And, and kudos to the Cabela's guys for checking every fish in the tournament last weekend. I heard about that while it was happening. I heard on about it afterwards. Good job, fellas. That's something that's got to be done. But these guys that continually run these tournaments and let things go wrong and don't correct them, you can blame the tournament guys if you want to. But the problem with being tournaments being run wrong has nothing to do with the fishermen. It is the tournament directors not having the quality knowledge to do them right. And that's all there is to it. If they're not going to run them right, the best way to stop that from happening is don't show up to their tournaments. If they continue to be talked about and people say that they're not doing them right, then just don't go to them. That's what I do. Them guys that I don't trust, I don't fish their tournaments. It's just that simple. Exactly. And, and, to, be, and to be a big tournament, it don't have to have um, – a record number of boats. The, the number of boats that show up it, it don't have anything to do with it being the biggest ever. You know, it's the biggest success. That's for sure. No, absolutely not. You know, if it if it stay if it if it only had 200, um, it it can be a lot bigger success with 200 than 400 by by the way it's ran and by the way. You know the prizes are give out and everything like that. You know you well, can have, you can have a tournament with 400 boats. Uh, you know no problem, uh, but you know you're not going to have one that's going to be. You know that's going to be bit, this pumped up. This tournament here has everything in the makings to be uh, year two. I mean just mega. Um, oh, well, you know, and, and I don't mean to get all worked up, which I did. I'm sure Sydney's in there just going crazy about me going off like that. But, you know, things people don't understand is a lot of times these companies will donate a boat. Well, the, what they're doing is they're donating it at a discount rate. You still have to pay for it. And then you guys got guys like Fish Life that done a great job at the Alabama Winter Blue on Wheelers tournament this year. Them guys, the first catfish tournament that they ever done, they done a really good job. They're coming up to do this tournament for George, so it'll be done as professionally as you can get it done. Uh, and this stuff all costs money. It, it, it takes money to, to put on a show of this size and magnitude. It's in the pyramid, the Bass Pro Pyramid. You and I, and if this goes over after I get done after the show tonight, I'm going to make a presentation to a gentleman. If this goes over, we may have the third member back on our show, and if it is, everybody's going to love it. It's going to be outstanding. But, you know, what these guys at Bass Pro are doing to support George and Leslie is unbelievable. They're going to let us go in there, and they want us to do a show on Thursday and a show on Saturday, or Friday. Uh, now, of course, it can't be it, it had to be in the afternoon, not during the time. But they're just they're saying, hey, if you'll be here, we'll fix you up. And anybody else that has anything to do with that, 
they're they're standing up. They're they're putting up this boat. At, you still got to pay something for it. It's not a freebie, but it's it's such a deal. Uh, and and all you have to do to win a twenty thousand dollar boat is pay your entry fee into this tournament. You don't even have to to fish it. If you pay your entry fee in, you're entered in for the boat. And and I would take my chances of one in two hundred or one in one hundred seventy five over playing the lottery any day of the week. I mean, right, right. you got one in ten million chance of winning winning the lottery, and you got a one in one hundred fifty or two hundred chances. Of winning a brand new twenty thousand dollar boat, I'll take them odds over the lottery any day. This is going to be a great event. It's going to be so much fun. You know, we're going to get to fish it with Doc Lang, and I know that that Bink and Janet and and Claude Reynolds, everybody that we know is going to be there. So not only do we get to see them at Monsters on the Ohio, we're going to get to see them at Memphis. We get two months in a row where all of us guys get together, and we're going to have so much fun. If you don't catch a fish, it'd be worth the entry fee just to show up down there. Yep, and uh, there's some guys that even know how to call fish. Uh, yeah, we'll to, Troy. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll get to see them too. <laughs> well, um, we'll get to see old Troy Hanson calling fish. It'll be so much fun. But um, we'll, we'll get yeah, away from that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, when you if, if you take uh, entry fees from 20 boats and you pay a top-notch tournament promotion company to put up a professional stage, professional everything, and when you get up on that stage in front of that pyramid front door, you pull your boat up there and you get up there with your fish on that stage, um, that's what it's all about. Um, and it costs, it costs money to be able to have that kind of show, but for catfish to grow, we have got to have that type of show. We have to now, and Justin, bear with me just a second. I got oh, one other thing I want to ahead. talk about. You know, the biggest stage uh, that I have personally been on uh, in tournament catfishing is the uh, Fishing for Freedom tournament in Quincy, Illinois. Uh, and, and anybody that gets a chance, jump on their website. You get to take out either a active duty military guy. You could take out a wounded gentleman or lady. You could take out former uh, veteran. Uh, they have people from all over the United States that show up to this tournament, and they jump in boats with people, and they have uh, guys that take them out bass or crappie fishing, and then they got those guys that take them out for the real fish, and we take them out on, on the Mississippi River for catfishing, and we've took a gentleman out a couple years. He is a great guy. These people come, and I tell people that are in Texas about this tournament. I tell them all over, uh, and, and they bring them up in buses. They some of them drive themselves. It's a worthwhile event. And I'm telling you what, if you think there's people down at that Monsters on the Ohio tournament, and there is, they have a big crowd down there. But multiply that times ten, just in the people you see as you pull through. This this whole town, this whole community of Quincy, Illinois, it, you can't walk down through there. There's so many people for blocks and blocks and blocks. And when you park your truck, they got people that'll haul you in in uh, little side uh, side things because there's no way you can walk that far. And they take carry you back and forth to your vehicle so you can get back up there and eat and watch the rest of the weigh-ins and stuff. And we was fortunate enough, not last year but year before, to finish fifth, I believe, in the catfish division overall. We had a great time, lost to Joe Lucky and Jerry Klein, and they had taken this guy that they took out a couple of years in a row. 
It is a great event, and they would love to have anybody to show up to take these people out. And I'm telling you, there's nobody that we owe any more to than these military personnel. So if you get a chance, get on Fishing for Freedom, Quincy, Illinois, and sign up and take one of these guys out. It'll be the best time you ever had. That's correct. And I, um, I want to uh, speak on the uh, Mississippi River Monster Tournament again. You know, guys, just remember that George Young Jr., he's got Johnny Morris, Bill Dance, two guys that started out when bass fishing was nothing. Um, and they know what it takes to get something started. They're helping George Young Jr. put this thing together, not doing it for him. They're advising him on what he should do, what he shouldn't do. Um, and, yes, nothing, it's not going to go perfect. Nothing's ever going to go perfect the first year. But with these two guys behind George Young Jr. Um, and, and him proving himself this first year, there's plenty of guys that's not going to jump on board this first year. They're waiting to see what's going to happen, and, and, and they're going to be ready year two. Um, so, I mean, guys, everybody needs to support what he's doing. Um, year two is going to, you know, going to have a, probably a bigger payout. Uh, but these sponsors have got to see this thing be a success before they jump on board so that payout can get bigger. Well, you know, if we don't support them and make sure they understand how much we appreciate the effort they're putting forward, there might not be a second year or a third year or a fourth year because you can only be beat down so bad by people whining about stuff when they are working their butts off to make this happen. So so give them a little love, people. I mean, they're, they're trying hard. Now, I, I know for a fact. I talk to these people every week, usually more than once a week. And, and, you know, when people start slamming about things to do, you, you're not giving them a fair shake. Let them get down to the day of the tournament, and you're going to see a huge difference. The more people that gets entered in that tournament, the more money it's going to be, and it's just, it's going to be so great. You know, we see what Aaron has done with, with Monsters on the Ohio. That is a great event. I mean, people come from all over to see that. This event will be just like that. You just got to give them a fair chance to prove what they can do. They'll be fine, and you won't never have to worry about it. The way it'll be done right. If honest people running it, it'll be done professionally, and that's what the sport of catfishing needs instead of some of the other stuff that we've been seeing. Yeah, Bill Dance, he don't have to do this. This is like a hobby for him, and he wants to see catfish and get somewhere. And I mean, he could he could care less if it was a year or two if. He's doing it for us. He wants doing it for the sport of catfishing. He knows the he knows guys want to see catfishing grow, and he's doing all he can to help. And if there's a bunch of bickering and a bunch of drama going on, he's not going to have time for all of it, and he's just going to back up and say, "Y'all got y'all guys go for it. Do it on your own. See ya." Um, and 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 if that's and if that's how we want the sport to grow. Um, we might as well just back up and keep fishing our local events for $50 a week payouts and, you know, fight these bass fishermen off for a spot to launch and all that good stuff. That's correct. All right. Justin, I have a gentleman. Called, uh, Chad Wall would like to know if you ever use any uh, hooks like Charlie Brown's or Kale hooks for bouncing. Uh, I have not. 
I actually just purchased some Charlie Brown hooks. I probably are going to try them this year. Uh, but most of the time, I go back to that ten ot Gamagatsu octopus. I, I I was listening to you and Chuck talk about that a while ago. Um, I have found something that works very well for me, and I have used those hooks, and there's nothing wrong with them. They work great. I have been using the the Gamagatsu Big River hooks. Yep. Uh, in a ten ot, and I really really like them. I I'm not a fan of the Gamagatsu circle hooks. And they work great for some people. Some people they don't work great for. But this big river hook is uh, for back bounce and has become my favorite hook to use. I, I dearly love it. I use it nines and tens, mostly tens, uh, because usually when them fish, when I'm catching fish bouncing, they're pretty aggressive, and I want something with a good stiff. I want a good shank on it, and I want it to be good and sharp and stiff. And, and these things you set the hook, it lights them up. There, there's one reason I don't use them hooks. Has nothing to do with the hook not being the right hook. I can't afford them. Well, they are pretty testy. <laughs> they are. Them, you can't get them on bulk packs, and I I try to buy everything in 50 to 100 pound or 100 pound 100 uh, pack hooks if I can get them. Right, and and if I could find somebody like you and and Jason Mathena or Jason Jackson or somebody where we could buy them in a box of 5,000, I'd be willing to split yeah. some up. That would, no, you I, never I, have I, to do I, it again. It you would know. probably be my number one hook. I just. I've never, I probably used a handful of them, and I just, I, I can't put, justify the means as many hooks as I go through. Well, the same way with me, and every time I go someplace and they got them, I buy two or three packs, so that's about all you stand at one whack. I've only ever seen them, I think, in what, five packs maybe? So three and five, or three or five, one of the two yeah, is the only way like I've seen them. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I, I dearly love them. They work out really well. I, I just, I think they're outstanding, so uh, I really do like them. Justin, I want to talk to you a little bit. You run tournaments in, in the Alton area down above St. Louis there for many, many years. Very successful, very well-run tournament. How did you get started in doing that? Oh, I sat back when I first got in the tournament fishing around the Alton area. Back in, what, the mid-90s, I guess. I was coming out of high school. and I said, it was a local sporting goods store that, that ran the trail and and nothing against that but I you know we, we fished them for years and you'd sit back and watch everything that was kind of like hmm is, is that how that should be done should we be weighing single fish on a, a spring scale hanging off a tailgate of a truck or you know one at a time should, uh, I, I heard stories that they would weigh fish out on the water if you needed to weigh one early on a different scale stuff like that and you know it was kind of a, a redneck river rat fishing tournament, if you will, which we've all fished and we've all been a part of, I think. Yeah. I have. And uh, I was lucky enough, I've been a board member on the Migratory Waterfowl Hunters Incorporated, which is a waterfowl group out of Alton, Illinois. And I came to them and asked them, I said, do you want to start a tournament trail? Do you want to get involved in catfishing? We never at they said sure you know there's more to get our name out there maybe pick up some members and there's a lot of guys that waterfowl hunting catfish they got behind me and uh, I I ran one tournament the first year we had maybe 13 14 boats show up but after being through some Cabela tournaments and seeing how the big guys did it and, and just you know setting your rules up how you wanted them set up and talking to some other guys, and just right and wrong to me how a tournament should be ran. 
and, and the fish taken care of and your anglers taken care of was always the big thing. And then I took off the next year um, and started a full trail with Migratory behind me. I had the city behind me. I had a lot of sponsors behind me that, that were, you know, Team Catfish. And I think Monster Rod Holders jumped in with me the first couple of years. And uh, local businesses jumped in with uh, around the Alton community there. And it really helped out. And the Tourism Bureau jumped in with me, too, and had a good relationship with them. And it kind of took off from there. And I think just by running it right and, and running how the anglers you know, we're seeing it was ran right. That's why it was so successful. You know, I, I know that you've done it for a long time, and it was extremely successful. Uh, I, I honestly believe it was probably one of the largest uh, in our area when you was doing them. Yeah, I, I we probably averaged once we got going there after that first year. I bet we probably had close to a thirty boat average, if not more. I think forty-eight boats was the most I ever had at a at a night tournament. But uh, we were consistently, you know, if not at 30, right at it. You know, just high 20s or 35 boats, it seemed like, all the time. And a lot of the guys, it was returning guys, and they would say, hey, you need to come fish this trail. And I don't know how many guys I'd get from the south, a little bit out west of St. Louis. Uh, Quincy area was well uh, reckon or not represented in Springfield area up there, Decatur, all the way as far as uh, – I know there's been a couple times we had guys come from, you know, 12 hours away. It just said they just we tournaments were kind of getting started back there. What I call a mid-major tournament. There was not a lot of them at the time when I was running mine. I don't think you had your Cabela's and you had your your Bass Pros, but uh, and I think that's what helped that too. Now there's a tournament in every river and creek and on in the in the country, it seems like so. That's that probably helped with my boat numbers, you know. But we just tried to run them right and, and make it fair and and keep everything on a level playing field the most we could with the resources we had. I really think common sense goes a long way, and not with just people running the tournaments, but with the people fishing them too. If you use a little common sense and and try to get along, it's amazing how smooth tournaments can go. But if you don't it's amazing how bad wrong they can go pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it really comes down, like you said in the past, the tournament director. There has to be a trust between the anglers and and the tournament director. If, if you ever lose that trust, that's when you lose your anglers. And, and then you just end up with the guys maybe that are close to you that are going to continue to come. But you, you start to lose them guys that are at a local trail like I had. Uh, outside of maybe two hours, you're, you're not going to pull any more than that on yep. travel distance. But yeah, we just tried our hardest. We put a lot of work into it. You know, when we were running them, it, I had a lot of leg work and and working full time at the time, and it, it just, it's a lot of work by yourself. And I had a lot of good volunteers along with me outside, just being the director and doing the director stuff. But uh, Adam Bagley and just my own partner, we, we would have to, we'd be the last ones to leave and most of the times we would sacrifice an hour of our fishing just to make sure we got back and, and get everything set up in case we didn't have volunteers to get things set up, but I always wanted to be there before the first fish was weighed anyways, you know, I just wanted to make sure everything was running smooth and that's 
That's just part of being a tournament director and wanting to fish your tournament trail also, which is almost impossible to do, I think, now. It, it really is. It got to the point where we couldn't do it any longer, and, and that's why we started doing tournaments, you know, was so that we could uh, be assured of a place to fish, but it just gets to the point where you can't, you can't do it. Scott Woody wants to know what kind of sinkers you use for back bouncing, Justin. I've been using cannonballs. Uh, I used to use bass casters, but I always had problems with the swivels that you had to mold in would end up breaking off. I, I will use bank sinkers, but I've been using the little cannonballs. I would say anywhere, probably fours and fives I use a lot. Sometimes threes if I can get away with it. I try to get away with the bare minimum, but uh, all the way up to fives, I think I got that cannonball mold. If I got to go any bigger, I'll go back to bank sinkers. Uh, well, and that's nice to know because I, I some of your secrets that I've been needing. But I personally use uh, uh, bank sinkers anywhere from one to three or four or five, depending on the current situation. And I put mine on a sinker slide. Uh, the yellow ones that you get from uh, Big Dave at, at uh, Bottom Dwellers because I like them because they don't break. If you need to cast them, the little black ones that other people sell, I've actually casted those with big weights on them and, and the braided line cut that black uh, nylon slide part and that sinker will go flying. And if that hits somebody when you wheel off with an 8 or 10 foot rod to to uh, cast that baby out, it'll probably go slick through them like a 12-gauge shell or something. So uh, those yellow ones that Dave sells, they won't do that. I don't care. I've cast 24 ounces of weight with them before, and, yeah, and I, uh, I, it won't cut them. I have them myself. If you are talking about walking baits, though, I would, I would go away from that sinker slide and go to more of a fixed rig. Just solid down next a solid, to uh, a solid three-way. Or like I was referring to earlier with the chain swivels we're using now, we're, mm -hmm. I've been tying my, my main line to the eyelet of my chain swivel, running the dropper off that same eyelet, and then running your hook leader off the other end of the chain swivel. I see. That's a pretty good... Just eliminating eliminate more things to go wrong. Well, I'm all about making them simple and easy. The less moving parts you have, the better I like them. Uh, it seems to me like when I've, you know, I've tried those deals where guys use two three-way swivels and then they'll run one down and have one dropper off of it and then run down to the next three-way and then a weight on the bottom and have another dropper off of that. you got too many working parts. Every time I reel them babies up, they're all tangled and, you know, I don't, right. need that. I don't want none of that action. Yeah, i, I got to give John Ward no swampy some credit on that. He's the first one that showed me he was trying that I, that I know of. And I, I've adapted and started using that myself now. You know, I have to I have to say, and, and we was I was talking with somebody the other day about John Warden. It might have been you. Um, John Warden is quite an accomplished fisherman. Uh, he's fished with some of the best guys uh, in catfishing. He fishes with Jeff Dodd and a lot of those guys, and uh, he's caught some monstrous fish. Uh, a great ambassador for our sport, and and. Uh, I don't see him very often anymore. I, I, I know he needs to get back involved with with catfishing and and uh, be the the figure that he that he can be. He's he's a really nice guy. Oh yeah, I, he he stays plenty busy with that Midwest Gunworks of his, and I, I'm sure he would love to be out more than he can. But I know he's he's probably super busy with his that business. Right. Yeah. I know he's that's a big deal. Everybody wants an AR, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, it seems like everybody wants something they can't have or 
whatever, you know. But yeah, John's a really good guy. Uh, he was involved with that uh, Monster Cat video and and uh, uh, them guys that put a lot of great fish in a boat in that show. Was it, it is he a pilot? No, no, that's John Allen. Oh, John Allen. Okay. John Allen, cousin. Yeah, he's a pilot for uh, what is it? Blue. Jet Blue. Jet Blue. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I bet, I bet that's a, a busy job right there, trying to schedule fish something. Well, I think he's down on the Florida coast, so it can't be too but tough on him. Yeah, oh, I think all the JetBlue terminals are on the East Coast. Is why he has, is why he does that. Okay. Yeah, well, sitting down there on the beach on your day off wouldn't be terrible, I don't guess. No, no. <laughs> I'll see both of them guys here in a couple of weeks. I think they'll probably both be at the Sea Art tournament. So. Oh, I'll, I'm sure they will. I'll tell them hi for you. Yeah, do that. How uh, how uh, who are you fishing the Sea Arc tournament with this year, Justin? Oh, me and Joe Lucky be back in the boat together. You know, Joe Lucky has been on our show a couple of times, and we see him. You and I do a lot. Uh, he, he's just a really good guy for the sport. Now, old Joe uh, goes down there, and and he's been out in the boat with Mike Mitchell and some of them old boys that. You get down there on Wheeler, you know Joe's lava sting them pretty good down there. Yeah, Joe's got a lot of more experience on Wheeler than I do. Uh, he's been going to tournaments down there way before I was. But uh, yeah, hopefully me and him can improve on what we did last year. I think we ended up last in the money there in twentieth. He had a good one on. It probably would have bumped us up quite a ways. But he's got a thing where he likes to put that dead stick up in the front rod holder in the boat and just kind of forget about it. Just a vertical. <laughs> And, and he said all day, he goes, you keep an eye on that, and he always glances back at it, but he likes to forget about it, and uh, just kind of hangs there, and that sucker went off about, I don't know, around 2 o'clock, 2.30, and my rod holder sets up on that rail, you know, and it sets up a little higher, and he had one of them uh, extremes in there, and I it was buckled under about three eyelids under the water, and before he even got up there, it came back up, you know, just dripping off the eyelids there, and we thought it slack bited up, and he was railing as fast as he could to get the slack, and it, there was just nothing there. And boy, he—you know how he was? He about almost close to seven foot, well, six, six something probably. And he just <laughs> fell like a noodle on the front of that boat, you know, and just was distraught, I guess. And things were quiet for a while in the boat for about a half hour. <laughs> was, was, was there some broken, uh, broken uh, hardware or? No, uh, no, he's it's just funny watching a tall guy just melt on the front deck of your boat, you know. And he's like, where's the fish? You know, it just came unbuttoned is all it did. Oh, so it didn't break a leader or nothing? No, it just came unbuttoned. He just he hit it so hard, and I, he may have came up on us because the rod just it, it pinned itself down, and then it came back up so fast. It, heck, it might have been a striper. Who knows? But uh, I, it was probably a catfish because of the way it was pinned down and, and had the head shakes you know, going on, but he just couldn't get up there fast enough to get it, and it was, uh, I think it was already gone before he got up there, but it, it happened, and usually that rod, every time I fish with him, he likes to fish that one out of the front, that rod will catch a big fish, it's just something about leaving it alone and letting it hang there, and eventually you're going to come across something. Well, yeah, you guys will have a great time down there, I know you will, Joe's a super good guy, and and uh, you know we had a really good time down at the conference when all of us went out to dinner. I'll, that's to be a, a night I'll remember for a long time with you and Joe and his family and and Cindy and I. We just really had a good evening that night. Yeah, there's there's not much of a, a better person on this earth than no Joe Lucky. I mean, if 
If, if you can't get along with Joe, you can't get along with anybody. That's pretty much the truth, you know. He's just a really good guy, and and uh, you know, you you are going to try to find uh, our old but dancing buddy down there and see if you can get him to teach you a jig while you are there. <laughs> oh, oh, Brendan's oh, probably don't want to talk to me anymore. He, I try to get all them fish secrets out of him, but we'll see. He'll, he knows I'll be there. I'll I'll probably give him a call. I told him I when I was coming down, so he may oh, be maybe trying to locate his own fish. So. I I talked to him. To Jason Bridges the other day, I'd sent him a message and and I told him that I said if you'll come on and we we had a little audio difficulty on the interview we done with him down at the Catfish Conference. I said I'd like to get you back on and go over some of that stuff again. And I said I we'd really like to do a show on safety. Yeah, and Jason being a legal uh, Coast Guard approved licensed guide, which everybody should be or they shouldn't be guiding. Uh, he would be really a good one to put on this safety uh, show with us and, and go over some of the stuff that we talked about down there that people didn't get to hear. And, and I told him, I said, now, if you'll agree to do that, we won't make you dance or anything like that. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we really did have That's a great good. time. I'll give him that. Uh, he knows how to dance. There ain't I no two ways about it. There's definitely I I'm pretty sure he'd have danced with you down there if you'd have got up. Yeah, it's possible. It's possible. <laughs> I, I think he had classes, though. He had a few more steps than me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm quite sure. I'm quite sure. Well, Justin, we've enjoyed having you on the show with us tonight. And, and uh, you know, anybody that you'd like to thank or, or talk about, if you got any funny jokes to tell about Mathena or Jackson or any of them guys, you know, any oh. stories, we'd sure love to hear them. I know you got some. I'm not going to lay into them. They, I give enough to them already, all them guys. But, you know, you're getting back to that safety thing. I That's one thing. I, I, I don't – I'm not sponsored by anybody but you. You know, I I, uh, I love my black horse rods, especially, them. you know, them bumping rods, the greatest thing since sliced bread. Um Stuff I use, I use gamagatsu hooks. I, I use about any hook that's going to work, you know, but when I'm bouncing those gamagatsu 10 ox is the way to go for me. I'm a drift master guy. Uh, I'm kind of a mercury guy. Uh, I've, I've had mercuries all my life. I've, I've fished out of sea arc boats my whole life on, on the big cat fishing since I've been on the river. I, I happen to win, win one, so that helped out a lot too. With, with, but uh, getting back to the safety thing, me and you talked about a little bit earlier. Um, I've actually got an award from the U.S. Coast Guard a few years back. It's actually the highest award you can get as a, 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 a oh, uh, what am I trying to say? A public, not a, not part of the Coast Guard, I guess. You know, as a as a private, a public citizen or whatever. But. Uh, you know, we rescued a couple people out in that river before, and they, the one I got the award for, they were in a bad way. There was an old bass tracker, old Mercury, an old 70 Mercury on the back, and they their motor cut out. They were down there at St. Louis fishing. They drifted into the bull no the the uh, the barge head, the ones that arch up usually on the head of the barge stacks, and they were pinned under there. And the Coast Guard couldn't find them, and the helicopter couldn't find them, and nobody could find them. And, uh, there was actually some Illinois conservation officers over there at the time that we came in, and they commandeered our boat, and they said, come on, get in, and we'll go find Must have froze up. 
It's the only reason we've seen them. And we circled around above them, threw them a line, and tied it off their boat, and luckily got them out of there. But that could have went, you know, real bad for them. It, it, the, the guys, there was two guys and a lady, and the guys were laying on their back, hanging onto the cables off the front of the barge, and they had their feet pushed up against the bottom of the barge, and that was the only thing stopping that bass tracker from being rolled underneath. Wow. That, that gunnel was just inches, and even when I turned the boat around ahead of them and, and drifted back to them, you know, that little wave right there was making me nervous. I thought it was going to take them under, and we tried to do it as gentle as possible. But uh, that that's one thing. I mean, if you're going to go out on the big rivers, you know, especially Missouri and Mississippi and anything that's got that swift current and you're dealing with barred traffic and anything else out there, floodwaters, make sure your gear is top-notch. You know, and running properly, and just don't go out there because you want to fish. And that's all I've ever asked of anybody out there. Well, one of the things that that, and I know I've said this so many times, but people that's never been on the Mississippi and Missouri River, it's not that you you can't be on it. It's you just have to pay a little more attention than you do on the the rivers that don't have the amount of current these two do, because uh, most of the rivers throughout the United States when they're flooded and at the highest and have the most current they got, still doesn't match what we have every day. Right. It's and, and common people, sense. I mean, if, if you have the experience, to drifting, you can get away with a lot more out there. Yeah. If guys are just anchor fishing, that's the ones that concern me sometimes with, with new guys on the river because they're throwing that anchor into some places they're going to get themselves in trouble. Mm -hmm. that, that's... I've probably done it myself many times, you know, and probably shouldn't have did it back when I was a lot newer on the rivers. And you, you learn from experience, but it's not good to even put yourself in them situations sometimes. It's, it's, there's other places to fish. Yeah. If I have a tip that I could give to an anchor fisherman, the best tip that I could ever give one is most everybody on on water with with current like we have anchor from the front of their boat and fish out of the back of the boat the best thing that I can tell you is always 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 have a sharp knife in the front of your boat in case something happens where you can cut that anchor rope right that's uh, one of the best tips of anybody yeah anytime have that sharp knife up front if you're going to be in and, and, and make sure don't get lackadaisical out there when you're night fishing on them hard rivers, especially if there's a little bit of debris coming. It don't take anything for a fresh tree to fall off the bank nope. from erosion, and next thing you know, it's on top of you. You just you go up there and, and make sure everybody in the boat knows where that's at. Uh, if they take their life jackets off, make sure it stays within arm reach. Have everything that they say that you need for safety, you make sure you have it and everybody knows where it's at and how to use it. If you pay attention, you'll be fine. Uh, night fishing on the Mississippi River and, and Missouri River, especially the Mississippi down there where, where we have tournaments and stuff, uh, the barge traffic is tremendous. You can catch a lot of fish down there and have a great time. We've drifted right beside Ryan Casey and his dad one night. Uh, putting fish in a boat and they was putting fish in a boat. We had, you know, we was drifting close enough we could talk when we was were going down the river. And uh, like I say, you, you have to watch for those barges. You, you just have to. And uh, Bobby Vargas says he's had floats tied onto his uh, 
ropes and have come undone real quick, but you know anything like that that you can do to make sure everybody's aware of their surroundings and, and things will go along just fine. Yeah. yeah the uh, I I keep some of those friskers that they're like a loppers like you use when you're pruning. Uh, Good idea. Uh, that they're really sharp. That they're uh, you know when you've got them. Uh, latched, you know, you don't get cut on them, uh, and you can secure uh, one of the handles on a rod holder in the front, right by um, where, where you're going to have your anchor tied to. Uh, and and you know, you can operate them with one hand. Um, you know, you can be laying on your back and reach back and cut if you need to. Um, you know, so that it's a real good idea to keep something like that. Um, I, I have a few pair of those in my boat. They're really good for trimming fins on my cut bait, um, you know, and you can use them to, um, you know, trim up some live bait if you want to get them swimming funny or something. But th they work great for a lot of different things. Yep. I agree. Claude said that uh, I kind of made him pucker up a little bit on that Missouri River. He, You know, uh, like I say, we go over this all the time, but people that's not been on it, they don't, they don't understand the amount of current and the pressure. That, that, that was pretty was. It was pretty pretty ready down there. <laughs> what he experienced was pretty calm for the Missouri. Yeah, that's what I told him. I said, "This is not even normal. This yeah, is below what we usually have." Yeah, I, that's pretty normal for that time of year. But yeah, when it gets up above the wing dams and nothing's stopping, <laughs> when it gets up, you see them banks the way it eats into them banks. I mean, that's when it gets up there, it's moving. And, but that's when the fish are possible. That, that's when the fish are hot, though, ain't it? Whoa. A lot of times, yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> if you can find somewhere to fish and get it out of the, the, the debris and trash. Yeah, when them big trees are coming down that Missouri River, um, it's not that I'm afraid to be out there, but I would rather not be out there when them big trees are coming down the river. Yeah, I mean, there is times I've seen that Missouri look like a sawmill, and you just don't fish it. Yeah, you just gotta. Yes, you, you know when to say when because it's it's right. not that it makes you any more of a man to go out there in any conditions. It, it, you just have to common sense. You know, it all goes back to common sense. That's Luckily, when the tournament directors say, "Go home, guys. Uh, we'll we'll do it again some other we've time." We called off a bunch of tournaments on account of that, and we've had some where I wish I had have called them off. And Keith and I and Cindy and I, we've followed some people around two or three different times and didn't fish the tournaments after paying entry fee because we was afraid that the little boats they was in uh, wouldn't get them through the day. And we was worried about them, and we we just followed them around to make sure that they and they was fine, but. You, you never know if they're going to be or not, and the way you do that is you just check on them and make sure uh, that that's how you do it. And uh, it's worth it. We knew that they was fine, and and uh, I'd do it again. You know, and, and I misread Bobby's post. He said he has a float tied onto his rope so that if he has to untie it, he can come back and get his anchor. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and that makes sense because I, I didn't. I had a some kind of thing pop up over that. And, I didn't get to read it quite right, but uh, anyhow, Justin, thank you so much for being on the show. And if we can't get get um, uh, Jason on here one of these days, I know it's his that boy is going to be playing football this fall, and he's busy on trips. But we're we're going to do a safety uh, deal on here, and we'll get some some stuff going on that because it's important that we have uh, a safety show 
at least once a year to keep everybody fresh in their mind so nobody gets hurt. The last thing we want to do is, is see a cat fisherman or anyone uh, get injured or, or uh, uh, capsize. But if something happened on the water because that's, it's devastating and it hurts everybody and uh, we, we want to keep uh, the safety factor fresh in everyone's mind. Uh, you have any closing statements tonight, Chuck? Uh, no, I'm good right now. Um, I just want to tell everybody that uh, the guys down in uh, uh, Phoenix City, Columbus, Georgia area, uh, the Hill Jacks, they're going to be up on the Lay Lake uh, this Saturday, and they're putting on a little tournament to uh, to do a little pre-fishing, have a little bit of fun for the up uh, upcoming Cabela's uh, Super event that will be on Lay Lake on the 1st and 2nd of April. So I'm sure them guys will appreciate if uh, if if, if y'all want to get out there and do some fishing with them next Saturday and, and get that little um, that little pot growing a little bit so everybody can you know uh, make them a little money on this little tournament coming up. Okay, uh, Twisted Cat Outdoors. Alex Nagy is having a tournament March 26, which is this Saturday. Uh, in Lexington, Missouri. Lexington, Missouri. It'll be on the Missouri River. Uh, the 26th, is that Sunday? It's the 26th, Saturday. I think it's on a Sunday, actually. Um, this tournament, I believe, is a $100 entry fee if you prepay 120 uh, day of tournament. Um, you can get a hold of Alex on Facebook or give him a call. He can tell you all the stipulations and stuff on it. Uh, should be a good tournament. I know people are catching fish. It, they should be some outstanding weights up there. They're really, uh, I've not fished that area, so I can't tell you anything about bait or nothing like that, but uh, I, I know that they've been catching a lot of good fish. April 24th, don't forget, in Canton, Missouri, will be the Twisted Cat Outdoor Jack and Jill tournament. Uh, great event. Have you got to have at least one man and one woman in a boat. You can have up to three people. It is so much fun. You get to see a lot of cool people and then have a really great time. The Cantonary really gets behind him on this tournament. Be an added money tournament. I don't have the specifics on that, uh, but it'll be a lot of fun. So uh, make sure that you jump in on that and uh, try to make it if you can. That's on the Mississippi River. So uh, with that, we're running on, uh, you know, quite about an hour and 20 minutes. Uh, Thanks again to Justin Wolf for Chuck Davison. I'm Lyle Stokes. We'll see you next Monday night on Catfish Weekly.